Around the world, as promised, a remnant remains who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Welcome to Remnant Podcast. This is going to be episode four now, I think. Yeah, uh, I think had, so. Yeah, yeah, episode four. And we started last week. If you didn't catch it last week, go back and watch yes, or listen to last week's before you even... I mean, You'll be lost. You, yeah. Yeah, we we're already deep in the in the rabbit hole now. And so honestly though, this for this episode, I'm probably gonna keep it shorter than normal. I drove all week long basically, had to go to multiple states and do deliveries and I'm wore out and you're wore out mm-hmm. and we've just got done with church and our Bible study thing and all this kind of stuff that we're doing and so we're gonna try and keep it short, but I'm gonna try and put some videos in here that's gonna be helpful for viewers from last week to show some things about the digital currency globalist statements that politicians have made and are making yeah and so for this week brief summary in case you don't take the time to go back to listen to the previous one we're covering five delusions five lies that the globalists want you to believe and these you know these are lies one of the lies being that they desire global democracy it's not a democracy they desire it's totalitarianism that they desire and we covered that a little bit another lie is that digital central bank and digital currency is going to be advantageous uh, and actually, it will, but it's coming at a great cost. Yeah. Namely, that A, CBDCs are coming. B, CBDCs give incredible, inordinate, unprecedented control to central bankers to directly con- control and intervene in the economy. And C, CBDCs will be used for social control. Today, I'm proud to say that under the UK's presidency, the group of the world's seven most advanced economies, the G7, is launching a set of public policy principles for retail central bank digital currencies, CBDCs. Central bank digital currencies could be a digital version of money, a bit like a digital banknote that could be used alongside physical notes and coins. Unlike most of the digital money people use daily today, it would be issued directly by a central bank, like the Bank of England in the UK. And governments and central banks across the world are working together, looking into what having a digital currency might mean in practice. So the UK is currently the head of the G7 group. That's the world's most economically advanced countries. And the UK currently chairs the G7 group. Our chancellor, who does our economy, called Chancellor of the Exchequer, his name's Rishi Sunak. He's put out this video. This is all on my feeds, by the way, my social feeds. He put out this video saying that um, what they want to do is bring in this uh, thing called the central banking digital currency. They want to replace fiat paper money with digital money as a competitor to Bitcoin and crypto money, right? But instead of being uh, decentralized currency, it will be controlled by a government. It's digital currency, but controlled centrally through the banks, Bank of England. So instead of having a bank account with whatever, HSBC or Bank of America, you'll have a bank account directly within the American context with the Fed. In the UK, directly with the Bank of England. You have a personal bank account and you're given digital money in that bank account. These are called central banking digital currencies. The Chancellor of the Exchequer in the UK has already announced their intention to do this as the G7 group. And what we're seeing in the world today, I think, is we are on the brink of a dramatic change where we are about to, and I'll say this boldly, we're about to abandon the traditional system of money and accounting and introduce a new one. And the new one, the new accounting, is what we call blockchain. It means digital. It means having a 
almost perfect record of every single transaction that happens in the economy. It means having an almost perfect record of every single transaction that happens in the economy, every single transaction that happens in the economy, which will give us far greater clarity over what's going on. It also raises huge dangers in terms of the balance of power between states and citizens. In my opinion, we're going to need a digital constitution of human rights if we're going to have digital money. Now, in all our analysis on CBDC, in particular for the use of general to the general use, uh, we tend to establish the equivalence with cash. Uh, and there is a huge difference there. Uh, for example, in cash, uh, we don't know, for example, who's using a $100 bill today. We don't know who is using a 1,000 peso bill today. Uh, a key difference in, with the CBDC is that central bank will have absolute control is that central bank will have absolute control on the rules and regulations that will determine the use of that uh, expression of central bank liability. And also we will have the technology to enforce that. And I'd like to start by saying, right, uh, that we are committed to carefully and thoughtfully evaluating the potential costs and benefits of a central bank digital currency for the U.S. economy and payment system. And we covered that a little bit. Another lie is that digital central bank and digital currency is going to be advantageous. Uh, and actually it will, but it's coming at a great cost yes. to your individual liberties and freedoms. And so for this one, we're going to briefly get into the vaccine passport yep. issue. And then honestly, next week we may back up and cover the, the first three again in a little bit more detail. I don't know because yeah. there's just so much here. You, it's almost like you can't even get it and all it's, covered. it's changing every week because this stuff is is actually going on as we speak that's right um yeah like this this last week this pandemic treaty yeah. come before the white house and yeah this is this is this unfolding life yeah. you know it's very fluid and so yeah we may come back and read and talk about it again because i'm i'm pretty sure the central bank and digital currency experiment was supposed to end march 15th which will be next Sunday, yep. you know, we can see what they come out with, you know, maybe the report or whatever. And so, yeah, it's kind of live. <laughs> really, it's like we're covering a live event here. Yeah, it really is. Um, and so to just for this week, I, we wanted to get into the vaccine passport question a little bit, the delusion. You want to read from the article what, what, what our platform is that we're going off of here? Yeah, and I'll go ahead and say it again. Uh, this article is called Deadly Delusions, Five Lies the Globalists globalist Want You to Know. Um. We're going to go on to delusion three, and it's vaccine passports will only store medical information. In order to understand the broader population control agenda and how it ties into the Gates Foundation's plans, we have to look at a puzzling development that took place in 2017. In that year, Gavi, the Gates-founded and funded alliance that partners the Gates Foundation, the World Health Organization, and the World Bank with vaccine manufacturers to help ensure healthy markets for vaccines, took a strange pivot away from its core mission of vaccinating every child on the planet to providing every child with a digital biometric identity. The idea was first floated by Gavi CEO Seth Berkeley in a Nature article that year, Immunization Needs a Technology Boost, where he states that the goal of 100% immunization will not be reached without secure digital identification systems that can store a child's medical history. He then gives a specific example. We are working with a company in India called Kushi Baby, 
which creates off-grid digital health records. A necklace worn by infants contains a unique identification number on a short-range communication chip. Community health workers can scan the chip using a mobile phone, enabling them to update a child's digital record even in remote areas with little phone coverage. This sudden interest in digital identity was no mere passing fancy for the Vaccine Alliance. Gavi doubled down by becoming a founding member of the ID2020 Alliance, a public-private partnership dedicated to spearheading a global digital biometric identity standard. Other founding members of the Alliance include Gates' first company, Microsoft, and the Rockefeller Foundation. In 2018, Gavi issued a call for innovation in digital technologies for finding, identifying, and registering the most vulnerable children. The call specifically requested technologies for capturing, storing, and enrolling the biometric details of infants on rugged biometric devices. Berkeley continued to follow up on this idea in public engagements as one of the new core missions of Gavi. What's interesting is that people tend to think of, you know, birth certificates as kind of a major document. But, you know, the most common, as, as I mentioned before, is not a birth certificate, is not a death certificate, is not a marriage certificate. The most common connection, vital registration for the population is actually a child health card because we reach more than 90% of children with at least one dose of vaccine as part of routine. So they're in the system. The challenge is that contact is not connected into the system. So if you could connect it, then you have the ability to give them their basic identity papers. You have ability then later on if they want to own land or they want to have their rights, you're able to help them with that. But, you know, we're not currently taking advantage of that. And so the children get seen, they get enrolled in the health centers, but that information is not used for anything else. Every country really needs to look through these uh, KYC Know Your Customer rules uh, to make sure that uh, customers are able to prove who they are but, of course, in many countries, you don't have any type of ID system. And the lack of an ID system is a problem, not just for the payment system, but also for voting and health and education and taxation. And so it's a wonderful thing to go in and create a broad identification system. Again, India is a very uh, interesting example of this, where the Aadhaar system, which is a 12-digit identifier that's correlated to biometric measures, uh, is becoming pervasive throughout the country and will be the foundation uh, for how we bring this uh, low-cost switch to every mobile phone user in India. Uh, the same type of thing is happening now in, in Pakistan, uh, and there's early beginnings of creating these ID programs in Africa as well. Uh, we expect to be able to use the ID so that when you show up for any government service, say you, you walk into a primary health clinic, uh, we'll be able to take that bioid very quickly and bring up your electronic health record. Even if you've moved from one part of the country to the other, you will be well-tracked and well-served uh, without nearly as much paperwork or uh, waiting. And so the ID system is foundational. My name is Dave Treat. I lead Accenture's blockchain business. Uh, it's a, actually blockchain and multi-party systems business. Uh, and part of uh, part of our focus and part of the business that we've been building, uh, you know, re really has had at the had at its core the transformation of of you know large scale ecosystems. And at the heart of it, there have really been two key gaps that we've been focused on now for a few years and making significant investments in. One of which you may have seen, we've had a focus throughout the the past uh, week around uh, work that we're doing around. Uh, 
central bank digital currency. The other one, and the focus of tonight, uh, is really the other, which is digital identity. Hello, everyone. Meet Lucy, student in psychology. And me, her digital ID wallet issued by the government to offer a wide range of identity services. In fact, I'm a handy way of proving and protecting her identity both online and face-to-face. Let's have a closer look at what I can do. I can help governments to better communicate with citizens. Right now, I'm reminding Lucy of the appointment she needs to schedule for her mandatory vaccination. Canada's banks are perfectly situated to help lead the creation of a federated digital ID system between government and the private sector. The World Economic Forum agrees that banks and financial institutions should lead the path forward for digital ID. Banks are highly regulated and trusted. They have advanced cybersecurity and privacy technology, and they have the infrastructure to operate provincially and nationally. Und aus diesem Grund wird die Kommission demnächst eine sichere europäische digitale Identität vorschlagen. With Digital ID, Australia Post offers a secure and convenient way to prove your identity. Verify your way and save time with Digital ID. Free to download from the App Store and Google Play Store. Now, the ability to prove who you are with certainty and in a manner that's recognized and trusted by institutions and by governments is a fundamental prerequisite to accessing even the most basic services. If you can't prove who you are, you have limited access to healthcare, to education, to other social programs. Your ability to move across borders, to vote, to enroll in school, uh, to access a bank account is limited or non-existent. Another item high on the agenda of the January WEF gathering was the matter of vaccine passports. The objective of the attendees is to have the vaccine status of everyone in the world digitally available in the form of a passport. This might seem reasonable to a few, but but it's also a ruse for the globalists to gather data on everyone and then later use that information to control them. The ultimate goal of the globalists is to combine one's vaccine information with all other personal data, including financial transactions from the CBDC. The passport will connect everyone to a massive database where all there is to know about everyone will be readily available to the elite. Even liberal author Naomi Wolf understands the dangers of the vaccine passport the dangers that the vaccine passport represent she says that if these plans are implemented it will mean the end of human liberty in the west wolf believes the real treaty is the government's access to the personal data of millions of americans according to wolf a vaccine passport will lead to the end of civil society it has the power to turn off your life or to turn on your life to let you engage in society or be marginalized what the globalist peddle as democracy will lead to the end of a human liberty and vaccine passports will play a key role in the loss of freedoms the abuse 
The abusive use of information will become especially nightmarish for those left behind after the rapture. Vaccine passports, along with the CBDCs, will enable the man of lawlessness to control all buying and selling throughout the world. Yes. I'll say a few things, and then mm-hmm. you can say whatever you want to say. First thing I do want to say is I, I have a different view of the rapture than this guy has. We can get into that another time, but I believe everything else that he's saying. Yes. That um, this this is what they're calling a vaccine passport. Mm-hmm. And believe me, guys, people may think, oh, that's COVID's done, COVID's over with, vaccine. They're not going to keep pushing that stuff. They are, too. Actually, they're pushing it as hard now as they ever have. Yeah legislatively i mean it's not in the public eye mm-hmm. you know there's not necessarily these patrol people at the airport currently but legislatively they're pushing for this stuff mm-hmm. in their minds to head off and have in place infrastructure do all this before another pandemic happens so mm-hmm. it's going to happen guys yeah it, th- we will face this this vaccine passport question and but he mentioned another part of it there that it's going to be tied into what really is called a digital identity i've brought this up before but what if we stop and think about it the government well first of all when we say the government what do we even mean the government is people Mm -hmm. you take all the people out there's no there is no government okay so the people that we call the government the senators the congressmen the representatives the house leader you know the president the vice president Mm -hmm. that is the government but it's people well they've never met you they don't know you. Mm-mm. What they know of you, they know of you through your interactions with the economy, with you know your workplace. Yep. You fill out information about yourself. It's filed. You go and get a tag for your car. There's a file. So what they know of you, they know through this medium that we would is now being called a digital identity. You used to have a analog identity you actually had a physical social security card Mm -hmm. you know and physical paperwork and whatnot well that is all being transferred to digital for what he said stored in databases that's that's a fact that's not a conspiracy it's a fact well in the eyes of the people that in their mind are ruling over you they Mm -hmm. are the government you are the populace in their eyes they need more information on you and now this digital world that we live in has in, has made readily available the ability for them to have more information on you. They don't want to just want to know where you work now. They want to know what your habits are. I, seriously. Yeah. Did you know that you, well, most people do know this, but that your phone does actually monitor your traits, your behaviors? Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you search something. Other stuff, ads start popping up. Everything mm-hmm. is everything is tracked on those things, and there's no way to stop it. Yes, it's not really a conspiracy. In fact, your phone at different times, key times, based on your behavior, will listen to you. Mm-hmm. That, that may be conspiratorial, but however, it has been proven. I mean, it has come out. Many whistleblowers have highlighted that, yes, that time Google literally accesses your microphone and listens to you. And you can't use Google without giving it permission to use your microphone in your your phone. So all I'm getting at is, why do they want to do that? You know, there truly is an agenda behind this to know 
everything about you and through that knowledge control you yep like you know they want to know when you're going to bed when you're waking up what you're eating how far you're driving what are you paying for your car what kind of you know what gas station are you stopping at they literally it's what they call a technocracy have you ever heard of technocracy yeah you just said it <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was good a technocracy will think uh, it's a technological system of rule ruling through mm-hmm. through technocracy they want to be able like basically it's like saying look let's put all of this algorithm and information into the computer and let the computer spit out what's the right answer to how we should handle the future of humanity that's a technocracy summed yep. up and so long story short man it is true the vaccine passport will be used mm-hmm. to control you to lock you down you will not be able to travel anymore. So the digital identity, that's one thing. Okay. Yeah. It, no, they want to know everything about you digitally. They want to have a record of you digitally. They don't know the real you. They don't even care about the real you. The digital you is the one that they can turn off and on. Yep. But along with this digital you, what what does it really matter about the vaccine passport? Oh, because that will be your new right of travel, your right of passage. And without it, Alan, you won't even leave the state of Alabama. Did you know that states in the United States – were preventing interstate travel mm-hmm. during peak COVID times. Yep. And how do you? How are you going to get through in the future? Well, you got a your vaccine passport, but you ain't coming. You ain't crossing our boundary without a vaccine, without proof you've been vaccinated. Which means this: the vaccine passport will force you to take the vaccine. Well, I'll be honest with you. I live in Alabama, so I don't mind having to stay here. I don't need to go anywhere else. But, That's right. Um, I mean it's it's scary if you if you really think about this all right let me give you guys an example turn on facebook live and do your whole day and i'm talking everything your bank transactions your and just let everybody see what you're doing that is exactly what they're saying that's a good that, illustration i like that could you imagine your whole life there was a movie wasn't it was it called the truman show yes where they followed him every you he know was on camera 24 hours a day seven days a week didn't even know it now imagine imagine that imagine mm-hmm. them watching you all the time they they tell you you go to work i'm just gonna say the normal person i work a lot more hours than a normal person 40 hours a week to make your money so after you pay your bills you do what you want to do no, no, no. Mm-hmm. No, we don't want you doing that. Um, so we're not going to let you do that. Or we're going to penalize you mm-hmm. if you do do it. Mm-hmm. Can't go on vacation anymore either with no vaccine passport. So I agree with you. I live in Alabama. I'm happy to live here. Yeah. <laughs> However, I live close to Tennessee state line. Yeah. I live close to Georgia state line. And there are times I cross that line to mm-hmm. go to Guitar Center and buy music equipment or something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Can't do that anymore. No vaccine. People don't think this is coming, but it is. We already saw it happen very sh- for a very short time. We already saw it happen. Yep. And that vaccine passport thing, that will be the way. How are they going to force you to be vaccinated because they in their minds you you know they believe in this stupid thing yep they want you to be vaccinated how are they going to force you okay well you can't you got to have a vaccine passport and without it you ain't going anywhere well man you're forcing you're forcing me to do something and it's against my own rule for my body it's just if we really think about the heart behind this it's abusive to humankind yeah. i'm just wondering you know there's a lot of 
the state does their own things from from what the federal says. That's how it's supposed to be, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and somewhat it's still that way because there was uh, where a lot of other states like uh, let's name off California and New York. They locked you down. I mean, hard. They hardcore locked you down. Alabama was really lax. I mean, mm. really lax. And in fact, we were Alabama was picked on. For mm-hmm. not doing some of this stuff. They're saying we're the reason that Especially this Especially is- our local small towns, man. Well, oh. I went the entire three years, never even put a mask on one time, other than to get past three security guards at the hospital the night my wife was in labor. Yep. Other than that, I never did nothing. Honestly, other than that, it's like you wouldn't have even really known there's a pandemic going on around here because people just carried on with life as usual, man. Hey, yeah, I mean, you could see going to the stores and uh and stuff like that and a lot of jobs were trying to bully their employees into mm-hmm. to believing and and by no means are we saying covid wasn't real no, you no, got no, it no, that, yeah. i got it we yeah, know covid died. was real yeah i know it's well, real we, we know covid was real but so is the flu yeah mm, so is an everyday cold that's right uh so is food poisoning you know, yeah, I got COVID twice. First time, it literally took me to the last ledge of life. I was sicker than I've ever been in my life. Second time, it was like a sniffle for two days. My yep. natural immunity was there. Yeah, no big deal. You know, and so I, which I, I, got, I took you off track there. I'm sorry. Yeah, you was actually fine. talking about being in Alabama, and you was asking, you was you was about to ask a question. No, so I'm wondering if some of these states, you know, uh, for the most part. Probably Georgia a little less, but Alabama and Tennessee are a lot on the same page when it comes to this stuff. So could it be, unless I guess the federal government has the power to step in, um, to travel between those two states? Well, honestly, what the federal government will and won't do they don't even care what they have right to do anymore. They'll just do. Well, yeah. But actually, no, constitutionally, the state has more power over the okay. state than the, the government does. So, yes, here's what here's, I do think this something will happen like this. Yeah. I do think Florida, Alabama, which Florida is pretty liberal, except, you know, they got DeSantis down there now. And so they was like, well, a safe haven for the people that's anti vax You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do think that, especially Mississippi, Alabama, and Tennessee. Yeah. Georgia's we'll, we'll teetering kinda, on that line right yeah, now. They're, yeah, because of Atlanta. Yeah. Stinking Atlanta. <laughs> shouldn't say <laughs> that, but um, I, I do think what we'll see, and they already know this, they've predicted this, yeah. that we will start to have regional divisions, Yep, you know, and they already know that's going to happen, and they already have a contingency plan for that. But, yeah, I do think that, that Tennessee and Alabama will kind of unionize, so to speak. I mean, we'll still be part of the United States of America, but it'll be like in the southern region or whatever. Because there is so much – we're so similar ideologically in the south to yeah. Mississippi and Tennessee. Yeah. And even most of Georgia, just get outside most of Atlanta. Of it, yeah. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I really thank God for where we live. Yeah. I mean, I have no complaints. Right. Yeah, I mean – and I don't know what's going to happen, but it's, it seems to me so far that this this southeast area that we're in will be a sort of the last hope of the country for yeah. a long time. We're yeah. kind of going to hold out to the end. You know, in other words, I'm just thankful that I don't live in New Jersey, New York, Boston, all these areas that are that just totally was, you know, heavy handed totalitarianism over its people. 
I'll tell you what, Alabama's almost perfect. If we didn't have tornadoes, I think it'd be just nearly a perfect place. (laughs) We do got the stinking tornadoes, though, don't we, man? Well, we get them every other week. It's in our, right, specifically our county. Well, you said it last a couple months ago. um, We have some friends that go to our church. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're from up north, and uh, they're experiencing tornado season this year last year was very mild yeah very mild and we've barely i don't even think we're not actually in tornado season yet and we're already yes okay well at our church we've got a family from the gunnersville area that's you guys mm-hmm. we've got a family from dutton that's us we've got a family from Eider. we've got a family from a town called bass and guess what there was four possible tornadoes on the ground this week one said gunnersville state park area they was like be on getting your tornado shelters one was dutton one was iron one was bass it was like is our church under attack you know not really but yeah. i mean yeah we live in tornado alley man we got them terrible we got them terrible but other than that yeah i love alabama yeah and i do think it'll i thank god that this is where i live this is where i've set my roots yep this is where i'll stay and i hope that they'll continue to hold out but ultimately in the end the antichrist the mark of the beast that world system ends up being global you know and so i don't know what we'll end up seeing here i'm just thankful that i don't think we'll see the full weight of it here i really don't you know we haven't in a lot of other aspects like like we already said covid we didn't get the lockdowns and the strictness like they did yeah you can call us the good old boys and the rednecks and the mud riders call us whatever you want to call us but come down here and join us whenever it gets bad because i'm telling you right now alabama the men of alabama don't mess around with certain things (laughs) you know no uh they're well armed and honestly, some of the best shooters in the world come out of the state of Alabama, really. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you know, I'm thankful for that. But I, I, I'm getting off track. We've talked long enough. I'm going to try and put some videos and stuff in here. And so this may end up being a little bit longer than normal before I'm uploaded. We won't get it uploaded tonight or tomorrow. But thank you again for the article. And, uh, yeah, we're probably going to back up and unpack the digital currency thing a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, and then there's some other stuff in here. And I think you and I also need to have a conversation on what he, what he says about the rapture. I've never even asked you your opinion on it. I'm not talking about right now. I'm talking about maybe next week or for a sp- uh, special video or something like that. Mm-hmm. I would like to get into that a little bit and kind of tell what I believe and why I believe what I believe. But nevertheless, Jesus is coming back. Good news. Yeah. Right? No matter what, Christ is coming back. Yep. And so that's something we can hold on to. But that'll be good enough for me. Have you said everything you need to say? Uh, yeah. Just uh, if you're listening to us on YouTube, subscribe. Uh, if you've found our website, or if you haven't found our website, it's uh, remnantpodcast.net. Uh, everything we do is there. We're fixing to start street interviews. We've got Couples Corner, uh, what you're listening to right now, Logos Life. Uh, and then we've also got by the book, which is our uh, Bible study. Yeah, We're I really currently in Romans. People, yeah, that if they're interested in the stuff we've been talking about now, to go and listen to our Bible study. Also, yep. our Bible study, I don't think, is like a lot of my, a lot of Bible studies. We're really going in depth and and yet we're also applying it to the life to the world we live in and i think it'll be helpful to people makes the bible interesting when you see the truth of it in your world so yes remnantpodcast.net we're on youtube odyssey and uh, when you go to the website and you click audio only it'll direct you to a number of Mm -hmm. podcast sites Mm -hmm. yep i'm done you done i'm done see y'all next week